the script, there is a scripture here, and I don't want us to be fanatical when we are making changes. We can jump from one extreme to the other extreme, and that's not good. When I say fanatical, um, I remember in my early days in America, people, one brother, he was telling us, he says that, you know, the Lord says, whatsoever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so they form little habits. He comes home, he says, honey, I'm home in the name of the Lord Jesus. How was your day in the name of the Lord Jesus? And they, it sounds funny, but people are very serious. And sometimes we can do things, people think we're fanatical. And so there must be a balance when you make decisions and you form things. One of the things I said over the space of last year, the last part of last year, was unlike the nation of Israel that came out of Egypt and had to, to journey through the wilderness, we're not doing the same. We are allowed to stay in Egypt and still lose Egyptian citizen from our citizenship from our spirits. It's a harder job. And that is why God has given us the Holy Ghost to make it uh, more comfortable and you're getting helped. You understand? Uh, you can't make it by yourself. And so I like what Sister Gray said, you know, these, some of these things that we hang on to. But what do we do? Um, in Roman, in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, and we used this scripture last week, and sometimes we can use a scripture and forget where it is and what is said, because a lot of times we sit in church and just pass the time. Uh, here in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, uh, Paul is making a statement like this. He says, Art thou bound unto wife, verse 27, he says, Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. He says, Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. <laughs> now, these are, these are commandments given to the church at Corinth. Uh, why is Paul saying this? Well, he's saying it because priority ought to be given to the work of God. He says, And if thou marry, thou hast not sinned, if somebody says, I want to marry, two people fall in love, they want to marry, you have not sinned. But if you can do without a wife, and you're single, and you're not burning, then serve God. Don't go tie yourself up unnecessarily. And then he went on here. Uh, he said in verse 29, but this I say, brethren, time is short. See, and that is what we need to consider, time is short and because time is short we must have our priorities right time is short it remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none it does not mean leave your wife and go do your own stuff no it means don't be over obsessed with the family life that you give nothing to god somebody said about pedestals and God must hold the highest pedestal in your life. And then he comes on here and he says, uh, they that weep and 
there are cultures that when someone dies in the family, they spend 30 or 40 days in mourning. We can't afford that. Somebody's dead, bury them, and let's carry on with life. You'd have to grieve. I mean, people are, you lose a loved one, you'd have to grieve, but life must go on, right? You're not the first person burying somebody. Uh, that would not be the last person dying on the planet. Uh, sat here tonight and I look at all of us and I'm looking at Brother Joe and then Brother Dan came in. Uh, he's the young man, Brother Terry. I look at Brother Terry, uh, almost losing all his hair. Brother John, I look at myself and I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking that actually I said it in my mind. I wonder who which one of us will go first. Yeah. I said that tonight in my mind. We're all here. I wonder which one of us will go first because we are living at that age where we're not going to live forever. And when God took Brother Goodwin, it was time to go. He would not have been able to handle what was coming on this in his fellowship and in the work of God. Um, the righteous perish it, and no man considereth that they are taken from the evil to come. And so when we're thinking here, Paul says, they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, they that buy as though they possess not. He says, and they that use this world, well, here is where we stand. We're not leaving Egypt. We are in Egypt. That television is going to remain in my living room. That job place I go, and 90% of them are on the job or unsaved. The grocery store has 95% people that don't know God. My banker might not be a Christian. And so I'm in this world, and unlike Israel leaving Egypt physically, I'm in this world, and I have to, well, let me put it like this. I'm not going to ride on a sinner driving a, a transit bus. Then you're going to walk to where you're going. I don't want electricity from no ungodly source. We got problems. All right? I don't want these ungodly productions uh, to be used in the church. This microphone is made by the... Un then I'll have a problem. So I would have to come to the place of understanding that I don't want to be weird. Somewhere down the line, I must come to the place of understanding what holiness is and how to maintain holiness in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. I must be able to shine as a light. Not a fanatic, a light. So, Halloween comes along. I'm a Christian, I don't believe in Halloween. Right? So some neighbors, their kids are coming and ringing my doorbell. And so I open the door and says, you all get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm a Christian. 
I got Jesus. I don't believe in this nonsense. Is that how I approach it? They'll look at me and they'll never come to the church I'm going to. I can't, do I put, a, on the other hand, do I put a mask on and says, Happy Halloween. No. But their kids coming, they don't know. It's just something in society. They're just doing things that like, you know, they didn't even know what it's about. It's like a fun thing for them. Now, I see two things you can do. You can go out and spend some money, don't pay your tithes. Well, if you pay your tithes and get all of that and you have the money, you can buy some candies, put them in little bags, leave them outside the door in a box, and says, help yourself one per person. Parents always bring the kids. When teenagers come, they'll take the whole box and run with it. So you have a problem. Or you can turn your lights off and stay in your house and don't respond to the doorbell. That's what we did. One year, we put the candies out and uh, we just kept the door closed. The other year, this year, we closed the door, take off the lights, and nobody rang the bell because the parents are there and they says, oh, these guys are not home. But I have to maintain a good relationship. I must be not drinking beer to save their neighbor, but I must be able to have a light, let him know. My neighbor came and he took me across in the summer to his, across the street to his family. He says, I'm having a party at the back and I want to take you over there. So I said, Chad, um, you want to take me to the party? He says, no, no, I want you to come and meet some of my people. So here I am walking across and he's an African guy. He's got about 20 people all sitting around uh, with beer cans in their hand and whatever. He says, okay, everybody, stop what you're doing. This is a pastor. Then the beer cans go slowly down, right? He said, this is a pastor, and he's my neighbor. He's a fine man, and I just wanted you all to see him. Isn't that something? And then I left. I didn't have to hobnob with him, but I go back over, and it was that's how it was. So we to use this world, how do we use this world? You know, I preached a message one time, and the title of the tape was, I wish every day was Christmas. Right? I wish every day was Christmas where everybody is kind to each other. So if Christmas is a time where you can show someone kindness, then make Christmas every day of your life. But you understand the paganism of Christmas. You can avoid that. And you can use the opportunity. Somebody come and says, I'm Salvation Army. And I'm collecting money for some poor kids. And you got $5, give them. Because it's an opportunity to let your light shine. You're living in Egypt. You're not partaking in Egypt. But yet at the same time, you're not so fanatical that you disassociate yourself from the individuals around you. So Paul says, how can you use this world and not using it to the full? The Oxford Bible has a center column reference. It says not using it to the full for the fashion of this world. Pass it away. Now, he might be talking about not only worldly fashions, but all kinds of things that exist in the world. All right? Now, I often tell you about designers and what have you. 
But I must never be hooked on something that this world has that I can give up. When you think about it, well, what kind of shoes are you wearing? Italian? I don't care. Do you wear, is it comfortable? That's it. Where you got a Dollarama? I don't care. Is it comfortable? Can you afford that? Okay? Then if you can afford that and it becomes convenient for you, use it. Don't get into the fad of what everybody else is doing. And I'm preaching this lesson because God's people are sometimes the most gullible people they have in society. We want to be cool. We want to be hip. No, you're a Christian. Use this world, but not abuse it. Now, I've never said this before, but I'm going to say it here today. You want to hear it? All right. I've never said it before, but I'm going to say it here today. Um, You remember the story I had where I was down in the basement and saw a person, I think an angel protected me? That lady that passed me, how do you think she was dressed? She had a pan suit. She didn't wear tight jeans that she looked like a sausage. She wore a pan's suit. Long jacket covering her. So when somebody says, preach against pants, I can't do that. You understand what I'm saying, Brother Raleigh? I never said this before because some people, hey, Brother Singh is promoting pants, let's all go buy. No, no, no. I believe that our church has a certain order that I want maintained. It's called modesty. That is important. Now I told you what that lady looked like tonight. After how much years? 15, uh, 15 years ago I saw her. Because there is a time to say it. And so if someone comes in like Miriam Dupre, when she came in, did she look decent? Did she always have a pants? Yes, she had a pants suit, neatly dressed and walked in, walked in. She looked better than some of the sisters look in a dress. And so when we think about this world, there are things in this world that we have to, I would never, if I was a woman, I'd never wear a pants suit. That's me. I would never wear anything else to church than a white shirt unless I'm wearing a sweater because it's cold. That's me. Where's scripture? There's no scripture. That's just me. You understand what I'm saying? Um, There was one time I came in straight from Rochester with a checkered shirt and stood up there in the pulpit and talked to this church. You remember? I didn't have time to go home. So God left? No. Uh, We have to use this world, but let the Lord work in our life. And so in the society that we're living in, uh, it's influenced. And I showed you on the weekend how the beast has magnified his operation very subtly. He has magnified his operation. And like Sister Carol said, the message on sanctification or contamination What has happened over the past 10, 15 years is that we're not being sanctified. We are being contaminated. Gradual contamination 
You see, all you need to dirty a glass of water is one drop of mud. And it brings pollution. And so Paul made a statement, and you see what we're thinking of um, before I go to Paul. I have just five minutes, and that's all that I really would like to use. In Isaiah, when Isaiah looked at this, uh, this situation, um, the Lord sent Isaiah. He was a prophet. He was not a pastor. He didn't come and hobnob the people. When they saw him, he was nobody with any priest. He was nobody with any uh, one of the men in the church. He just showed up and the elders would tremble when they see. When the elders saw, uh, who was it, Samuel coming? Yes. They trembled. Yes. Samuel was a prophet. Yes. He isolated himself. And it's difficult because I have to live in Egypt and still be free from Egypt. I have to work the work of a pastor and yet maintain a message that I feel a prophet would give. It's a different case altogether. And here in Isaiah, when Isaiah come, just a few verses, he looked at this people that were Jews, called of God. And in chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, How is the faithful city become a harlot? He's telling Israel, he says, this, you were once a faithful city serving God, but how have you become a harlot? Is that pleasant? No. I walk into the church and I see something going on and I stand up in one of our churches. If I walk into one of our churches during Christmas time and they have a big Christmas tree one side, and the kids are in the Christmas carol, and they got a manger on the other side with baby Jesus, three shepherds, and three wise men, shepherds, and all of that. Uh, I would stand up. How would you like me stand up and say, this was a good church at one time? How has this good church become a harlot? You think they'd like me after that? No. No, they would not want me. See, that's what happened when I went back to Guyana. The first service, they invited me to preach in my own church. But now I'm a visitor. And I stood up and everybody threw off on me. We are not going to change. I don't know what they heard. They heard the gospel before I got there. They heard I changed. And I'm preaching Goodwin's doctrine. And everybody's getting up. People I brought, I, I prayed to until they got saved. Now they're preaching to me. And that's the sad thing. Because you bring people to God and then they're trying to teach you. And the sisters and the brothers got up and says, Jesus is not going to change and so we're not going to change. But I said I was very polite. I got up and I said, you know, I'm glad to be back here, blah, blah, blah. I said, there is a statement everyone is making, Jesus won't change, so they're not going to change. Today I'll show you where Jesus did change. I know they wouldn't want me back. And so it's an approach that you'll make that when you go to a place and you preach a message, be careful, they might not want you back. Mm -hmm. But I preached a message that brought a sword in that assembly. And it separated about 12 people that didn't want to go back there, that want to come and listen to what I have. And that's how the message must happen. But I didn't get arrogant and ignorant. And so Isaiah made this statement. Let's see what Jeremiah said. Here in Jeremiah chapter 
uh, chapter 1, he said in verse, um, chapter 2, sorry, in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 3, he said, Israel was holiness. He says, Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of her, of his increase. All that devour Israel shall offend Israel. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear we the word of the Lord. Verse 5, he says, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and became vain? He said in verse 18, And now, what hast thou to do with the way of Egypt? Israel, following the ways of Egypt. And Sihor, or the Nile, and the way of Assyria, to drink the waters of the river. He says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Two prophets introduced themselves like that. Back in Isaiah chapter 5, uh, chapter 3, uh, chapter 3 tells you that one of the problems that when God is bringing judgment, what happens in a, in a, in a city, he said here, God said in verse 4, chapter 3, he says, I'll give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them, and that will be a problem. He says in verse 8, And Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen. Jerusalem is ruined, Judah is fallen. Verse 12, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women shall rule over them. When that happened in Israel, it was an expression that God had judged the nation. Well, I'm not talking to Israel today. I'm talking to us today. What would cause a man to make a sacrifice and give up God and put some fickle things in his house? Kids, grandkids, and wives that are not converted. I'm mentioning three things. Kids, grandkids, and a partner in the marriage that's not converted. And some people are glad when their marriage partner is not saved. So it gives them leverage to do that which is evil. Sad day in society. And that is why Isaiah was seen, seen like a very obnoxious man. Because he is messing up family circles. And Jeremiah was the same, and that is why Jeremiah says, I'm finished. I quit, I'm not going to preach. He says, God, you know, told me that I'm going to have results, but now I'm preaching, and it's not working because everybody's against me. They said, they're waiting for him to make a statement that they can tear up. And so we're having messages delivered to this church that cannot be questioned Oh, can be questioned, but you cannot condemn it because it's the scripture. And if I find a scripture that condemns me, 
because it's not if we find something better, but if we are deteriorated slowly and become just like the rest of society. Can I read one last scripture and then I pray with you? In Philippians, the second chapter, and read with me here, Philippians, the second chapter, and we know these chapters, we know these verses, we know what God is calling us to do. And here it says, uh, Paul says, do all things. He says, without murmuring. Verse 14, do all things without complaining. Don't complain. Murmuring or disputing our arguments together. That you may be... I like that word. You remember when I showed you that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were blameless? Wasn't that wonderful? Blameless and harmless. I have to work on that in my life. I have to be blameless and harmless. Wise as the devil himself, but harmless as the Holy Ghost. See, because I still was passed on to me the spirit, aggressive spirit. No, I got to lose that. I got to take on the spirit of Christ. And Paul says, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. See, there they were. In the midst, everybody's evil, everybody's wicked. But you're a child of God, man. Don't follow the trend. And l- listen to me. It starts with a small fox. Monkey see, monkey do. Well, this is the new west. You don't have to follow the newest trend. If the old thing is working, keep it. You understand what I'm saying? If your old, the old thing is working, keep it. And I'm, I'm trying to avoid a big message here. Just when, let's finish the scripture and I'm done. He says, without rebuke, that's of God, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you, child of God, body of Christ, shine as a light in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice. Paul says that when I come back, I might rejoice because you made it, man. But give me a little chance. I want a little contamination. We cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devil at the same time. I cannot say tonight that I only drink the cup of the Lord. I can't say that. I'm the pastor, and I can't say that. I'm at the dentist. My mouth is open up for two hours. And what the dentist is putting in front of my face? While he's working me. TV. He says, you need this? I said, no, I don't. But he still put it on. And he looked at me and he found National Geographic. You think I got time to watch National Geographic while he's drilling in my teeth? But that's how the world is. You got to watch something. You got to look at something. You got to cross the road and get killed because your eyes is, not, is on the cell phone. What the world is doing, you got to do. You see this here? 
the cell phone, if it lasts, however long it lasts, that's it. Well, they have the new one that talks to you. Let it talk to you. I can talk to me by myself. Let's pray. Lord, tonight we thank you for another night in your house. We appreciate you, Father, so much. Lord, it's almost like mission impossible to live in this crooked and perverse nation and still shine as light. Please help me and help this congregation, Father, that we might maintain our Christian integrity. Help us to shine as lights. Be harmless and blameless, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.